Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Don Marsh. Raise your hand if you don't love chocolate. I'm guessing very few hands have gone up. It's a universal favorite, and it's the subject of this month's Soundbite segment with our friends from Sauce Magazine. The February issue features chocolate and a band of St. Louis chocolatiers. I sat down yesterday with Brian Pelletier, chief chocolatier and owner of the Cacao Shops in Maplewood and Clayton, and with Catherine Claney, Sauce Magazine managing editor. I asked Catherine to explain the difference between chocolatier and chocolate maker. So a chocolate maker is somebody who actually takes the cacao bean and produ- make, turns that into chocolate. A chocolatier is somebody who takes chocolate and then turns it into confection. So the uh, companies that we highlighted in the February issue are all chocolatiers. To the best of my knowledge, there are two bean-to-bar chocolate makers in Missouri, so people who actually take the, the raw cacao and turn it into the final finished product, and that's Askinosi Chocolate and Patrick Chocolate, and those are both located outside of the St. Louis area, but they are available here. We do have a number of chocolatiers right here in our midst, we don't do. we? We do, yes, we definitely do. Um, the five that we uh, spoke about this uh, in this issue were uh, Rick Jordan Chocolatier, Nathaniel Reed Bakery, which in addition to the French pastry and, and some of the bread that he does has a, a really nice chocolate line, um, Bittersweet Kitchen, Connolly Fine Chocolates, and then Cacao Chocolate, which um, listeners are probably most familiar with. I think they're probably one of the most well-known uh St. Louis-based chocolatiers here in the area. Brian, let me turn to you as a chocolatier. Um, What is the difference between what you do and a Hershey bar? Oh, goodness. Where to start? (laughs) Um, uh, The first thing is I don't want to disparage anybody's anybody's chocolate. Um, But uh, when we talk to our customers, big companies like to make things cheaper. And there are a lot of things that you can do to chocolate to make it cheaper. Um, you can add artificial vanilla in, instead of real vanilla. You can add palm oil to it. You can add lots of other chemicals to it. We just make sure that we're not using any artificial flavors, colors, preservatives, or sweeteners in anything that we're doing. And that's one way that we're differentiating from from bigger, cheaper chocolates. So, so what happens in your place? Do you get a cacao, by the way, as opposed to cacao, right? Right. Cacao right. is the name of our stores. Right. And why have you – it's spelled almost the same as it's, cacao. It's similar to cacao. The name of the tree that chocolate grows on, chocolate grows on trees, a lot of people don't realize that, is Theobroma cacao. And that's C-A-C-A-O. And we decided to name our shop Cacao because it's, it's close, to the, close to the tree and close to the origin, but it's, um, but it's just a little bit different. Well, how does it work? I mean, do you get a, a big bag full of cacao beans and, and then go to work? No, no. That's, that's a whole different deal, as Catherine said. What we're doing is we're taking chocolate that's already been made. And we're blending together three different chocolates. One of them comes from San Francisco, one from Belgium, and one from Switzerland. And we're bringing those together in different ratios and then transforming them into our confections. So we're, um, we're, we're tempering, retempering the chocolate and turning them into truffles or turning them into caramels or um, adding them to things like our marshmallows to make marshmallow pies or to make other treats. 
Wow. <laughs> My mouth is watering, and I know Catherine's is too. It's really cool, actually. If you go to the Maplewood location of Cacao, it's it's a completely open shop. Like mm-hmm. the retail, the parts where the customers go is actually very small, but you can see the whole production facility and you can watch them make some of these confections. And it's and I know you guys even, will even do classes from time to time where people can come in and do that. Come in and make And, and make it themselves. But it's make, really right. cool to watch, and it smells amazing in there. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. How wide a variety uh, do you have in your products? We have several hundred things that we that we make. Um, with our with our dipped confections, we've got about a half a dozen things that we make all the time, all year round. And then at any given time, we've got uh, a good 10, 12, up to 20 other things that we're just making seasonally or just making one-off. Because we're doing things in really small batches, we can be really creative and color outside of the box a lot. So we have a lot of things that at any given time in the shop, we've got two or three things that we've never made before, which is really fun. Such as, give me some idea of some of the things that are unique. Well, one of the one of the, the truffles that we just actually won a good food award for um, in January was uh, raspberry balsamic vinegar and goat cheese truffle. Um, and that sounds really complicated and it sounds really odd, but it's it's really delicious. Um, and it also has a, a pink peppercorn on top of it, which ironically is neither pink nor a peppercorn, but it, it adds a, a lot of flavor to it. So that's something that's that's really interesting. Um, we made a truffle for an event a couple weeks ago that was just made from beer. Um, we just reduced uh, a local beer um, log boat from Columbia. We d- reduced their IPA to a syrup and made that into the ganache um, for the truffle that had a really unique taste. It didn't taste like beer but it was a fantastic chocolate. Go ahead, Catherine. I was just going to say, I think it's really cool how you can find almost anything can go with chocolate. If you get the right, whether it's a, a lighter chocolate or a darker chocolate, if you can find the right flavor pairing. Like I've had chocolate and mushrooms before, and I thought that was such a weird, mm-hmm. like it did not make sense. And then once I had it, it was like, why have I not eaten chocolate with mushrooms my entire life? This is fantastic. We made a truffle truffle once. Truffle truffle. <laughs> yeah, like that sounds amazing to me. <laughs> Are the other chocolatiers in town, Catherine, uh, doing this uh, same level of experimentation with chocolate? Definitely. I mean, it runs the gamut. You know, um, Bittersweet Kitchen really focuses on right now um, a lot of syrups. So she's doing things that are more focused on, like, things you would put on desserts or drizzle over an ice cream or something like that. Um, but they definitely can get into the weird and funky. You know, Rob Conley, who is a chef who's opening Bull Rush, but he also does chocolate sort of as a hobby. Um, and these, his chocolates will be available there once once his restaurant opens. Um, but he used to have them at Squatters Cafe here in Grand Center. But he's doing um, truffles with like a, um, a blueberry and sheep's yogurt and granola truffle, um, a Rwandan espresso truffle, passion fr- uh, truffles with passion fruit ganache. So there's lots of different flavor combinations that people can play with. Mm-hmm. Brian, do you keep an eye on the competition in, in this regard? Uh, just to, to, out of curiosity, of course, I mean, I know everybody on this, on this page in this article that, that we've done things with and, and spent time with. Um, but there's, there's a lot of room for great chocolate. What are the ingredients in a typical, typical box of chocolate, such as the one you have here? Wow. Well, this, this particular box has 16 different confections in it. Um, so there's a lot of things going on, but... Basically, you've got chocolate, and in our case, we're blending three different chocolates together. In uh, the in the caramels and in the truffles, you've got a lot of heavy cream, which is really important. Um, we use real vanilla beans to flavor it. We use a type of, of sugar 
that um, that keeps it that keeps it um, soft, um, a glucose sugar in some of them, and uh, then whatever flavorings we use. So uh, there shouldn't be a lot of them. Like I said, you can add a lot of really bad ingredients to make chocolate last longer and to make it cheaper, but. We, we, we stay away from those. Sea salt seems to be a popular uh, addition to chocolate. I mean, I see, when I see in the store, not a chocolatier's necessarily, but sea salt is featured prominently as an ingredient. I think a lot of people associate salt and sugar as opposites, and they're really not. Like, it's, it's, salt is something that enhances whatever you put on it. So a little bit of salt on a sweet thing really actually brings out a lot of those flavors. So salt and chocolate is one of my favorite combinations. I love any dessert with a little bit of salt on it. Um, it just, it, it naturally draws everything out. What, what is the shelf life of basic products? Uh, well, so that's, it's a, something that people wonder about. Sometimes solid chocolate can last for months, um, just at, at room temperature. With our, um, with our confections, we know that at room temperature, they're going to be at good at least for five or six weeks. Um, but we don't sell them after three, so that means that anybody that comes in and, and picks them up at any time is going to have at least two or three weeks to enjoy them. Um, a lot of the things that you can buy at a gas station, though, um, some of the things that they put in that will give it a, a shelf life of a, a year and a half. Um, before before anything happens to it, and I, I, I don't see anything anything good or redeeming about that. But what what can happen to it? Just go rancid? Is that well? Uh, chocolate doesn't, <clears throat> especially with the sugar that's in it, doesn't usually go bad. Um, what happens to ours after after a longer period of time like that is it just starts to dissipate the flavor. So if it has some sort of flavor in it, it, it just kind of weakens that and it isn't as flavorful. The other thing that will happen with, with chocolates and candies after a while is that they'll start to crystallize. And that will give you a much different texture that isn't the smooth, creamy chocolate filling that you want in a truffle or a nice um, soft caramel. It'll start to get grainy and sandy and, and lose a lot of its a, a lot of its enjoyment at that mm. point. Mm. Catherine, what did you folks at Sauce uh, learn about chocolate and about our own chocolatier industry, if you will, that you didn't know before? I think what I what what I learned most from this piece was just the, the variety of things that you can do with chocolate. Um, I mean, obviously, the, the salted caramels, the chocolate that you guys do are, are wonderful. And that's, I agree, probably the thing you're most well known for. Um, but I like the marshmallow pies that Cacao does are I, like, I didn't know that's what a marshmallow was supposed to taste like. I grew up on jet puff marshmallows over a campfire. Um, it's a very different thing when you get a fresh, real marshmallow. <laughs> it's a totally different ballgame. Um, but even things like Rick Jordan, who's a, one of the other chocolatiers that we featured, he does something called honey foam. And I don't know how he does that. You might have more insight into the, the process behind it, but it's almost like an aerated honey. Um, so it literally looks and, and, and has the, the texture of foam, but when you bite into it, it literally just starts to dissolve on your mouth, on your on your palate, and then he coats that in a, in a layer of chocolate. So it's, it's just a really lovely way to experience that kind of dessert. So I think just seeing all the cool things that people can do and, and play mm. with it, and then they're just pretty. Like if you look at some of these, some of these uh, small batch chocolates, if you open a box, it's like looking at, at a little piece, a little jewelry box. They're, they're so beautiful. 
and and some of them are hand painted um, or there's the little touch of like a peppercorn on top or a little a little uh, swipe of gold foil or something and it's all perfectly edible and they're almost too pretty to eat but the keyword there is definitely almost I will definitely consume the entire thing Brian I would guess that the term small batch means exactly what it sounds like that you make make your product in small batches uh, when we're making a, a batch of truffles it's or caramels it's around 200 pieces mm-hmm. So um, we're making things less than a less than a gallon at a time when we're making caramels, um, but and yeah, that gives us a lot of flexibility to to try different things and and experiment a lot. Who are your customers? Everyone who likes chocolate. <laughs> I think that, that which is everyone, right? Um, you know, we so we started and we still participate in farmers markets, and the Targo Farmers Market was. Um, where we first started selling chocolate. So we have a lot of people that that come there, and those are people that are interested in local. They're interested mm-hmm. in supporting a local small business. They're interested in, in eating good food and getting locally raised and made and produced food. So that's a big part of what we do. But as we've grown and expanded, and we have a you know we have a shop in in downtown Clayton, where where people just enjoy it because it's good, and they're maybe not asking or looking for. Uh, for the ingredient list, but they're but they they enjoy it because they like the taste of it. Catherine, that really is a trend that has caught on here and elsewhere. The idea of using locally produced uh, foodstuffs, if you will, as opposed to bringing it in from someplace else. Definitely, I think a lot of people are are a lot more focused on supporting their lo- supporting local businesses for one, really mm-hmm. supporting their communities. You know, if if you can literally meet the man who not only founded the company but is still back there making chocolate every day, that's that's a really mm-hmm. cool thing. To you know exactly where it came from, they can answer all the questions for you. Um, I think people are interested in in focusing on quality over over quantity. It's not necessarily can I get ten Hershey bars for five bucks. It's can I get one really good piece of chocolate or one box of truffles for for five bucks or mm-hmm. something like that. And then I think there's something to be said too for just you know. Everything from everybody has different reasons, but I know like reducing your carbon footprint. It doesn't need to get shipped in from somewhere on the East Coast and sit on a shelf for a year and then you can eat it. You know, you know that it came from a shop two miles down the road that when it was made yesterday. That's that's a really cool thing and a great experience. And I think people are really interested in in that quality of of products now. Brian, what got you into it? I know you had a, a different kind of a, a job before you got started in this. I, what turned you around? I did. Um, it's it's a it's a great story. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I had been in in the public relations and corporate communications business for about twenty years, and I wasn't sure what I wanted to do. Um, I knew that I wanted to run my own business, and I knew that I wanted to make something physically with my hands, and I knew that I wanted to do something with food because I love to cook and eat. Uh, so I, I took that and opened myself up to the universe. And, and what happened was I was, at, I was at a dinner party and an acquaintance of mine that was there said that she had some chocolate equipment in her basement that she was going to sell. And I said, I, I, I think that'll work. So literally in this order, I, I bought the equipment, I rented a space, I quit my job, and then I learned how to make chocolate. What is chocolate equipment? What makes it different what, from other equipment? Yeah, it was, it was it's a tempering <laughs> machine. And we have... We have five of them at the shop. We use three of them daily. It's a, a, a couple feet square box that's got a, a bowl, a metal bowl that holds about 10 pounds of chocolate. And that's what we use to temper the chocolate, to heat it up 
and then cool it down again to a temperature that makes it just mm-hmm. right so that when you dip the chocolate or you dip the, the caramel into it, for example, um, after you take it out of the machine in about two minutes, it'll start to set. Mm-hmm. So it's a machine that, that makes chocolate ready for confectionery. It sounds like timing is very important. Are, are you in a position at, at times when it goes wrong and you just have to throw it away? Never, <laughs> never. You never throw chocolate away. Um, but there is a lot of timing to it, and there is a lot of um, magic. It's hard to explain the whole idea of tempering and the idea of cocoa butter crystals lining up in a way that makes uh, something that's a liquid into a solid. Mm-hmm. But when that happens, and I just had it happen the other day when we were doing a, um, we were doing a class, and I and I had some some customers in back, and we were going to dip caramels, and something went wrong with the tempering, um, the temper that was on the chocolate, and it started to ball up. All we could do was just reheat it and retemper it, but that was easy enough to do. We never have to throw it away. I'm always so impressed with people that are just like, oh no, it's you know we we'll never throw it away. It's like because I've I've tried to make candy and and like temper chocolate at home, and it's if you've ever tried to do that at home, it's a totally different ball game mm-hmm. than just like making a quick dish after after dinner or, or for dinner or something, or even baking a cupcake. Like there's candy making is such a technical temperature dependent thing that I just don't have that skill set. So all the respect to you for saying that you never do that. <laughs> Well, thank you. I mean, our, our team is really, we've been doing it for a while. That's so awesome. we have a lot of practice with it, so we know what to do. It sounds to me a lot like baking. Well, it's, it's, it is in the fact that it's, there are some things that are pretty precise yeah. with it. You have to be pretty exact. But there's also a lot of room for experimentation and for trying new things, um, making it look different or making it taste different. Well, you've whet our appetites, all of our appetites for chocolate. Do you have a final thought, Catherine, you want to leave folks with? No, I just think, you know, get if, if you've never really experienced more of a small batch chocolate, um, I would encourage you to go out and try one of the one of the artists artisans that we featured in the issue, or, or particularly cacao. They're widely available. You really notice the difference, mm. um, if you, especially if you just let it melt instead of just chewing it right away. Just let it melt on your tongue, and you really notice how much richer mm-hmm. and, and, and more profound the taste is. So definitely give it a try. Brian, final thought? We really appreciated being featured in this in this article. We've been here. We just celebrated uh, last year our 10th anniversary which is uh, quite a milestone for a small business. We're really excited that we can still be um, producing great chocolate that so many people enjoy, and we really appreciate all the support. Well, congratulations to you on 10 years. Hope you have many more. Thank you. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Catherine. Thanks. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.